St. Louis Blues have won the Stanley Cup. Rory, the St. Louis Blues have the cup they've been waiting 52 years for, and the rest of the NHL public outside Boston has the meme they've been waiting forever for, a crestfallen Brad Marchand on the Bruins bench. What a night in Boston for the Blues. What was your takeaway? Well, my takeaway was, I mean, they they were an excellent road team, it turned out, right? You know, the, the... when I was asked a number of times ahead of game seven, which are you picking? It was really like, I don't know. Like I can see arguments for both sides. Boston's power play has been amazing. They they just seem like a big moment team, right? That would give their best in game seven. Tuka Rask could steal Even if it. they hadn't been fantastic on home ice throughout the playoffs, it was hard to bet against exactly. them in that Exactly. They're just with the experience. You can never count this team out or anything. And the way the first period started, it looked like it might be a blowout in Boston's so favor. So Binnington, before he was amazing, if you go back and watch like the first couple shots, looked shaky. There was a mm-hmm. couple fat rebounds. You may remember like Sunquist had to whack one away. And then Boston got the power play for the puck over the glass. And Binnington was just amazing yeah. for a 10-minute stretch got them through, and after St. Louis scored, it was kind of like, I don't want to say the Bruins never came back, but Bennington bought them the time to feel better about themselves and get rolling. And that was the argument for St. Louis, right? They were excellent on the road. Jordan Bennington's record and numbers in games six and seven in this playoff was outstanding. Bouncing back. Yeah, and and then, yeah, when they got that first goal, I, not only that, I think the second goal uh, was just Eight the Eight seconds breaker. left in the first. Yeah, and just... A, an absolutely terrible change by Brad Marchand. I don't, I don't know what was going through his mind at that point. I know his shift to that point was a little over a minute, but there's eight seconds left in a period. Yeah. There's a rush coming in. You just got beat on your own side of the defensive blue line. You got to be aware of what's going on in that situation. So, I mean, that's going to be hard for him to look back on and kind of deal with this summer because that, that was the turning point in the game. You know, you had, you had the big Jordan Bennington save on Joachim Nordstrom midway through the third period or so and that seemed like Boston's last chance but you know if you don't allow that second goal with eight seconds left in the first period I I think this game the flow of it probably is a lot different well we're gonna talk a lot more about this game the playoffs and what's ahead in a very exciting two or three weeks here on the NHL schedule we're also going to be joined by Eric Lindros 88 the big E who's going to come on and tell us Uh, a bit about the work he's doing now, raising awareness for concussions and uh, looking back at his career, letting us know what he's up to as the father of three young children these days and still getting on the ice a little bit himself. But yes, before we get to any of that, I want to keep going here on Game 7, on uh, the the playoffs, these two teams. I mentioned Marshawn, of course, the instant memification of him uh, sat on the bench couple other things that stood out to me last night. A favorite photo was the Saskatchewan boys and their families, Jaden mm-hmm. Schwartz, Braden Shen, Tyler mm-hmm. Bozak. I got a soft spot for the Prairie guys as someone who covered junior hockey out there. I really believe if you're just not tough as nails, you get weeded out of hockey at like nine years old when you're uh, in, in Saskatchewan or Manitoba. And it was great to see the the Sasky boys uh, in a pick together after winning the Cub. Luke Shen in there as well. A mm-hmm. uh, big night for for him supporting his brother. Uh, and, the, you know, the thing that never gets old and, you know, as I get old, and maybe you can uh, relate to this a little bit, uh, you know, the shine comes off a little bit of some things. And, you know, as we – I remember Chris Johnson talking about – uh, at a puck talks event once upon a time when the the sports netters were at these events in Toronto, uh, you know, someone just kind of asked him about basically taking out uh, the best part of his job or, you know, what it's like being up close to to all these events. And he's like, you know, the reality is uh, the, sh- the shine comes off it a little bit, but mm-hmm. the exception to the rule is the night the Stanley Cup is in the building and can be won let alone can be won by both teams. Mm -hmm. And then just seeing the outpouring of emotion from everyone in the families afterwards when they get on the ice is always fun. Like as someone who's got a six-month-old, honestly, I was kind of like, I'm going to watch to the end and then I'm going to go to bed. But once you get to the end, I was just, I found myself unable to get off the couch because I was like, I want to see the families on the ice 
just living this moment, especially because literally no one on the Blues had won the cup before. Yeah, this was amazing. new. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and Jay Bomeister gets the first pass, which we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, who would get that 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 pass. And, you know, after 1,100 NHL games, only the third time he's been even past the first round of the playoffs, yeah. finally getting over that. I mean, that was an amazing moment. There's a great picture on the plane afterwards with Ryan O'Reilly and sitting next to Pat Maroon and the Conn Smythe and the Stanley Cup are with him. O'Reilly's got a can of Guinness, which is just perfect. Pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Pretty good for the Irish and, boy. You know, it, it, and he was saying after after the game too to the to the media that you know about that feeling. He's just like, I'm just I'm exhausted yeah. right now. And it, all these guys put everything, just absolutely everything, out there to realize their dreams. And on the flip side, you see that from Boston's perspective. And I th I think it was uh, Brad Marchand who said, you know, they basically, they just stole our dreams away from us. And you're that close. You're in game seven and and you've, you've almost got it again. And to, you know, you see the elation on one side because it's a lifelong pursuit to get here. And some of the Bruins have won a cup before, but still you're, you're that close to doing it again and feeling that celebration to have it taken away from you. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. It must just be heartbreaking. Well, especially for Boston knowing it really just didn't put its best foot forward. I mean, nope. I can close my eyes and picture David Pasternak whiffing on some one-timers yep. from the side. That first line just never really got rolling other than the power play. They just weren't at their best in the final. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, still they had to go into that game thinking they were in great shape. But, as I said, once they couldn't punch one past Bennington in that sort of from the 5 to 15 minutes into the first period, it just felt like they, like even when it was 2 nothing, to some degree it felt like it was 4 nothing to me. Like, yeah, there was still the sense that Boston could get one, of course, but it just didn't feel like they were going to get that one. No, it didn't. It it really didn't feel like it was. Again, like that second goal, even the first one. Like it, it was that moment where it felt like you know what, maybe this just isn't going to be Boston's night. Like they, they, they were so in control for most of the third period or first period. The Blues, I think, went almost 15 minutes yeah. without getting a single shot on goal. They had four shots in the entire first period and had two goals coming out of it. So. That's when it didn't feel, and again, that that huge Bennington save, that that was it. That was the moment that Boston could have had cut the lead to one. Um, you'd have a little bit more than half of a period to play still. Like that, that's a good moment. And this team, you know, in this city in Toronto, is famous for that four-one comeback. Like they're never out. But at that moment, at that Bennington save, it really felt like you know it's just not going Boston's way. It it, it seems destined to be St. Louis's cup. The, the only downside to all this is that that's the fourth year in a row the Stanley Cup has been won on, on road ice. Yeah. And it's so much better when you're celebrating in front of your own fans, right? You could you saw the, the shots from St. Louis in both the hockey arena and the baseball stadium, just, just tons and tons of people there, and they're going nuts. And Boston fans obviously stuck around when the Cup was first coming out. And again, that's the attraction. That's the allure of it. Everybody wants to get their, their photo or their video of the Cup coming out, but... You know, after the first couple of passes are made, that crowd starts to thin out. The diehard Blues fans kind of come together near the glass, and that's when you kind of see the, the family connection a little bit more, which is the best thing of all. But we need we need a home ice winner. Well, it's I was, so much better. I was on the verge of tweeting with a couple minutes left. The last time we had a Game 7 in the NHL, it was a 4 nothing road win. Um, by the Boston Bruins or the Vancouver Canucks in 2011, and now it was flipped around. The mm -hmm. Bruins were going to lose four nothing, yeah. not even get a single goal at home. And of course, <laughs> they they get the one at the end that was far too little, far too late. We've talked about Bennington a lot. We talked about O'Reilly. Can you remember a year where you could have just sawed the Consmith in half as much as you could have this time? <sighs> yeah, I mean that was that that could be a tough call. I mean to me. I I saw Riley coming because I mean Bennington was outstanding, no no question. But he had he had some stinker games along the way, sure. right? And that probably hurt his candidacy. And the fact that O'Reilly's Cup final too was so strong, and scoring the goals end four of games the in Cup a row, final. the end of the Cup final, scoring that huge goal. I mean that probably tipped the scales. He he wasn't just good in the Stanley Cup final; he was fantastic. And I think it's I think it's fitting too because. No, the, the up and the down of the blue season. Everybody knows your last place in early January, and then you go on this crazy run. From beginning of the season in October to the very end here in June, Ryan O'Reilly was St. Louis's 
best player throughout. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko started bad, and then he came on. Jaden Schwartz didn't score very many goals this year. He had a great playoff. Yeah. There were a lot of players that had those kind of swings. O'Reilly was easily, far and away, the most consistent guy. So I think it's fitting that he's the one that comes away with the consmite. Two satisfying results in a, in a row, uh, two years in a row for nonpartisans, right? Like, I mean, most fans who didn't have a dog in the fight last year were hoping Washington and Ovi would get their cup and mm-hmm. uh, lo and behold they did and hard not to pull a little for St. Louis had never won it in 52 years mm-hmm. they get the cup next year it's going to Philly because since they've been traded out of Toronto Phil Kessel and Tyler Bozak uh, have got the cup so it's JVR next so we can just go ahead and put it on the board I think I think it was Troy Brower who tweeted it after the game last night that He's the good luck charm. Any team that he's been on wins the cup a couple years after he leaves. Oh, so maybe yeah. that puts the Calgary Flames All on right. track. Flames in contention as well. <laughs> um, I, I just want to end on this, and we should note, it really was a great playoffs. Um, and, you know, our first game seven in almost a decade, but some really great action throughout the playoffs. And you talk about the Bruins, you know, having their dreams snatched away from them on home ice. They're, the Bruins are a really good team that are going to make the playoffs again. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis, they'll probably make the playoffs, right? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. But as the years go by here and the league just squishes more and more into the middle, I just like what I really found myself thinking last night going into game seven was both these teams just have to know this is our chance. Like, yep. when are we going to be back here? And I looked at the Eastern Conference and I thought, I mean, how hard would you push back if I said Carolina, the Islanders, Columbus, maybe even Pittsburgh won't make the playoffs last year, next year? Like, you want to push on Pittsburgh? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, like I could see the the Islanders, depending on what happens with their UFAs. Columbus, you, you know, can see them the all question. getting in, but you can, can see them, them all, all being in. out. You can see Florida and Philly and yep. Montreal and yep. Buffalo Absolutely. squeezing in. Uh, like and, it's In just, the Western Conference, too, there's a lot of teams that are pushing to, to come. And this speaks to the parity, right? Like maybe Vancouver's a playoff team. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Pacific sends five teams to the playoffs next year, and it's the Central that's got to squeeze in three. There's, there's just no more, you know, oh, we got close. We didn't quite get there. Let's put our arms around each other and go, gee, Wally, we're going to be back. Well, you might be back, but it's really, really, really precious and rare to get that close so you better win it when you're there, and St. Louis did. Yeah, and it's not that I think Boston's not going to be back or anything. This is obviously a team that's always going to hang around, but... Do you think Tampa's going to lose in the first round next year? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, and Toronto eventually is going to take over this this, Fourth time lucky. Um, But you could say, like, you might be running towards the end here of this... This specific core. Like, yeah. Zidane Chara is getting older there. David Krejci's got two years left on his contract. He's getting older. Patrice Bergeron's in, in, into his 30s. So is Brad Marchand. You know, like, there's there, there's a reason to think that this could be the last best shot for that core yeah. to win a Stanley Cup. What's Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, so, like, a, a piece that's going to be up here shortly on Sportsnet.ca. It probably will be up by the time this podcast goes up. I came up with a question for each NHL team heading into the offseason. And, I mean, these two teams, the cup finals were the hardest ones. The, the one for St. Louis had to do with their coach. How much is Craig Brube going to get paid? But it was really hard for me to come up with, like, a troublesome question that the Blue, that the Bruins have to answer. Yep. Like, the contract situation Next is good. Year, they don't have anybody. Yep. Like, Charlie McAvoy is your biggest guy that you got to get signed, but Defensemen coming off their ELCs generally get bridge contracts. It's not going to be a, a huge, big cap hit and all this stuff. Um, you know, Rask is still there. Halak is still there. So you got that goaltending ten. Like there's no, there's no glaring question for them to answer. If Marcus Johansson leaves by via UFA. Well, Don Sweeney masterfully handled the tra- handled the trade deadline this year. Didn't have to give up a first round pick. He could do that again and find that value. So I just, it, it was hard to come up with something that the Bruins really have to face this this summer. So. What I settled on is how they're going to repair that press box that Cam Neely threw the <laughs> water bottle at. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be a top three team in the Atlantic, but the Atlantic is going to continue to be a, a gauntlet, yes. and it's going to be real tough yep. year after year to to come out of there. How much is Barube going to get paid? What's Jordan Bennington going to get paid? What's Jordan Bennington going to get paid? What do you think? That's, I mean, four for four probably still gets it done, don't you think? Four, four for four, five? Yeah, I, that, that's probably that's probably a good ballpark there. Um, 
yeah, you know, it, it, goalies are so tricky because he obviously was just fantastic and everything, but... It's the, only the, four months that we've been well looking yeah, at Yeah, such him. a small sample size. And, you know, there was a reason why it took him so long to, to even get to this point. Um, you know, when we were talking to Blues beat writer Tom Timmerman about, you know, what, what does this mean for the future of, uh, uh, of Jake Allen? And I think his takeaway was right. Like, you can't really move on from this guy no. because... Like, like there still is that a little bit at least of this uncertainty around sure. Bennington and how much he's going to stick. Is Vili Huso still going to be a factor in that net down the line? So you know you are taking a bit of a risk, but I think I think if you're paying that goalie between four and five million dollars, that that's then then that tandem is making around seven or so, a little bit more than that. And I think that's something that's definitely manageable. And then if he hits again and Bennington actually is here to stay at the level he played at, I mean, that that's going to be tremendous value for the Blues. Just saw the plane shot you're talking about. I love great. pictures from the plane. There's a great <laughs> one from uh, the 2010 Cup that the Hawks won, the first one, where Taves has the Consumite in a chair beside him, and he just has that, like, exhausted but satisfied look yes. on his face. It's a fantastic one. Yeah. I like the one where Sidney Crosby is in his bed sleeping in the Stanley <laughs> Cup. <laughs> well, one... Uh, Big-time player who never did quite get over the hump, played for the Cup once, was Eric Lindros. And, man, if you, you didn't have the pleasure of seeing that guy play in his prime, what a player he was. He stopped by earlier this week before Game 7 of the Cup Final was played to have a chat with us about a lot of things, including the important work he's doing with concussions uh, and promoting concussion awareness. We're going to play that conversation with the Big E coming up next on Tape to Tape. The Tape to Tape podcast is brought to you by the next generation GMC Sierra Denali, complete with the world's first six-function multi-protocol gate. Summer is on the way, which means softball beer leagues, beach volleyball, and patio season. The Sierra Denali's gate comes with a built-in load stop to keep whatever you're traveling with in place and turns into a step for easier access. Once you arrive, it can also become a work surface that includes a power outlet. So, whether you're loading a tackle box, working on a project, or tailgating at the game, we've got you covered. GMC Sierra Denali. We are professional grade. All right, pleased to be joined now by one of the true legends of the game, Eric Lindros. Eric, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm well, thanks. Too kind. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, you know what? You are making the rounds today, mm-hmm. but it's really important stuff, so we want to dive right into it. Why don't okay. you just tell us, um, you know, what's going on with the concussion awareness program you're part of, and why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the Rowan's Law Advisory Committee you're also a part of? Well, we've... Uh I guess we would just start with Rowan's Law and uh, the elements of, of Rowan's Law, how it began. And uh, well, I guess we will start at the beginning with uh, with Rowan Stringer, who was a 17-year-old uh, girl playing rugby in Ottawa. She suffered three concussions in six days, didn't really communicate anything to anyone. She, she Googled back at her at her home computer about concussion, but didn't didn't communicate her, her, her symptoms and didn't communicate... Uh, uh, things at all and unfortunately passed away from second impact syndrome from that things went to a coroner and then the coroner's report uh, popped out and and uh, um, lisa mcleod uh, started pushing things along which was, she was the mpp and the in the stringer uh, the stringers lived in, in lisa mcleod's district um, and uh, an advisory board was formed uh, the advisory board uh, encompassed people from education health sport all different types of sports all different uh, uh all different anyone that could possibly help in the education uh athletic and and health sector so this is this is a huge you know this is kind of a three-pronged uh, uh approach to this um because we do want to hit we're, we're trying to hit the school systems as well um so yeah, we went through that. We did a year of, of what we could do to answer the questions and to and to produce a document that we could turn into a law, uh, solutions to the problem, solutions to 
to the communication. What 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 can we what can we do? Um, submitted it, and then the government has taken it and ran with it. They've gotten some help from Rethink, and we've just um, unveiled the uh, the big marketing push uh, yesterday. Um, you know, dealing primarily in the in the sport area, um, uh, because concussion doesn't occur only in sport you know 50 percent of them or more occur outside of sports so it's although it's it's deemed a sport injury uh, per se or people associated with sport many more of them occur outside of sport than than within so yeah so we unveiled and it's uh uh you know uh about the toolbox about what to do about the uh, uh the motto hit stop sit uh, a conservative approach to to concussion, uh, looking for for uh, signs and symptoms, not just of your of your own players, uh, your own kid, his his or her teammates, but let's look out for the other for the other team as well, and and uh, and the opposition, and let's just make sure that you know what happened to although extreme, what happened to uh, to Rowan never ever has to happen again, and uh, and beyond that, let's let's not make decisions whether or not to play sport based upon concussion. We know concussions are going to happen. It's inevitable that they're going to happen. Uh, we can have prevention uh, left and right, but even the, with the best prevention, preventative matters, uh, um, they will occur from time to time. So let's be prepared. Let's look for the signs, and let's deal with it right away. Uh, and when we need help, let's go to uh, yeah, Google Rowan's Law, Ontario.ca slash concussions. You know, that's... Uh, that's where we're at, and then they've uh, they've done a really good job with the marketing. Um, but it is a conservative approach. We're asking people, and we're asking coaches, we're asking parents to let's look long term and not the short term of of a situation. Let's if there's any question, be on the conservative side. Any question at all, what's the harm? You know, if there's nothing wrong, great, you're back in. If there is, well, you know what, you're already ahead of the game in terms of re- returning because you've 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 sat out. And what could possibly happen playing with a with a concussion? We we see with the extreme side with Rowan, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's where we're at. Um, at, at a minor hockey level, mm-hmm. how much are you in communication with coaches or or organizations? And and what kind of evolution, I guess, have you noticed in the way concussions are are thought about, treated? And then just, just finally, like you have young kids too. Yeah. W- would you hesitate to put them in hockey these days? Okay. Well, first off, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know about concussion. Mm-hmm. My wife knows about concussion. Uh, we're unfortunately well-versed in it. Um, so I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. Plus, I think hockey, you know, the best game in the world. I have no problem at all. Um, but I don't want concussion to be, to deter from someone making a decision to play hockey. Because I do believe it's the best game in the world. So that let's be prepared part is, is where this kicks in. And all we're asking is for, you know, you're going to be asking the coaches, you're going to be asking the trainers, uh, parents, anybody associated with the team. Um, there's, a, there's a short video. There's some short questions. It's not going to take very long. It's less than, less than 20 minutes, I believe. Uh, and you do this uh, on an annual basis. Anything we learn new on the research front, we would implement in on the question, the Q&A uh, portion of things and, 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 and share the information as quickly as possible. That's what's so great about Rome's Law. It's, it's, a, living, it's a living bill. It's a living law that, that we can, as we learn more, we can change and, 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 and it can reflect what we learn on the, on the, on the research side. So um, we're going to be asking for that. Uh, it's not because we don't know a whole lot. It doesn't take a whole lot to get caught up uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of the information. Um, we're just asking people to be respectful and, and, and take a conservative approach. So that's that's basically where it, where it's going. If you want to, we get into contact within hockey. Um, I've got comments about that too, and but when we should start body contact mm-hmm. because I look I look at the women's game and you know it's quote unquote no there isn't body contact. There's it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. Uh, but there isn't the there isn't the contact. Let's can we not wait until everyone gets through puberty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know when I played, you know, when I was 11, I was five feet tall. And then all of a sudden you come back one September and you're playing against guys that are five foot nine and 40 pounds heavier than you. Right. Like it's just it's such an unequal playing field at that age. Let's pull back. Why Mm -hmm. can't we work on our skating, stick handling, team play? And then once we all pass through puberty, 
90% of us, he can't do it. You know, nothing's perfect. Listen, it's, it's the old 85, 90% rule. When 90, we get to that point, whatever it is, 14 years old, uh, let's, let's kick it in. And those that want to continue to play, let's have that. Um, but I think the numbers uh, of kids that drop out of hockey once hitting stops uh, starts mm-hmm. is going to decline yeah. because they're going to continue to be able to play without contact. I think I, that's a, it's a big deterrent. I was a referee at minor hockey for a number of years, yeah. and this was probably 15 years ago or so. And, yeah, you're at that kind of peewee house league level, which was hitting at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember some of the bigger kids – who weren't skilled enough to play rep are just out there to hit and you're you're seeing it coming right that he's going after a kid littler kid and like i i, I gotta stop this i can't do anything about it and then and then he plows the kid over sure. and you're just like it, it's, it's out of my hands i can't do anything but you've seen big change it's, at gotten, the minor better. it's gotten better and then uh, let's take this even further when you're talking about triple you know you're talking about house league mm-hmm. what's the point of even having contact if you're not playing pro hockey you're not going to the ohl or you're not going to the to, play college or you're not you know whatever pro situation khl or, or europe if you're playing single a house league and double a why do we even have hitting yeah i mean if if common sense says that we do not have hitting there's going to be less injury not just concussion but every other type of injury yeah uh and we've actually put money towards that uh uh carolyn emery did out of the university of, of calgary is you know it's uh, as, as you got to have the facts when you're dealing with 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 government and 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 we can back it up with with Carolyn's work, um, so I mean we can look at that and, and think, is it worth it? You know, mm-hmm. so trust me, hitting is not that hard to learn. <laughs> Lining up, angles, speed, sure, you know, dressing, loading, it's it's strength and, and transfer of energy, right? Sure, accepting a hit's not that not 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 that much either. Um, and even now, I mean, the guys are are putting themselves in in situations where they're. T- you notice that they're turning their bodies. The defensemen there drives me nuts. Right, as if to draw a penalty. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah, it's not. What are you doing? You're putting yourself <laughs> in a vulnerable position. Two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, I don't know, um, but I, I I'm a strong believer in thinking that. Contact should not occur until uh, you know most of the, most of the, everyone has gone through puberty, uh, so fourteen, fifteen, whatever number you want to call it. Um, I'm I'm a big believer in that. And then why even bother? Sure, single A and housely. So, as you said, I mean, obviously this is near and dear to your heart because sure. you've been through it. Yeah. And I just want to ask you on a you know just very general level, like how are you feeling today? I mean, how overall, how's your day today? Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I feel I feel pretty good. Um, you know, when I played, it was a different time. You know, there are different rules, different structures. Uh, the lines are crossed frequently. Um, the threat of punishment isn't nearly <laughs> what it is today. Yeah. Uh, so it was. Yeah, there was. It was. It was, it was way different times. Um, I look. I, I I look at moving forward. I look at what can we do to be better. How can we be better? How can we learn from what we've gone through and turn this into something, something positive? And I think we're starting to do that. I think we're, uh, we're making headway. Unfortunately, a great deal of the headway was is because certain players get hurt. Sidney Crosby gets hurt, draws mm-hmm. attention to it. That's the only. That's the kind of the silver lining of the the horrible crowd of the horrible cloud because we do want Sydney to to be playing. I mean, it's just you know, you, you want them, you want your best players out there. You mm-hmm. want you want everyone healthy. It makes for a better game. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's getting better. The respect level is getting better. Uh, if we can, uh, if we can look at this and do this properly in Ontario, and then if we can have the other provinces follow suit, and not just follow suit and call it something different. Why can't we just all call it Rowan's Law? All the rules were structured with the help of every doctor across Canada that was that was part of the concussion uh you know our premier doctors that, that deal in concussion all worked on this so it's not like it's just Ontario doctors have come up with this this is our best in in our country um the structure we we, we laid out here for Ontario is easily easily duplicated in other provinces um 
why can't we do it? Why can't we? And then it'd be so much easier to market because once you say, you know, Rowan's Law, uh, it's not just stopping at a border between, you know, Manitoba and Quebec, right? Like right. It's, yeah. It's, it's all across. And so I just have to think it's the right way to, to go. I think it's economical. I think it's stronger. When you think of, I'd like it to get it to the point when you think of the name Rowan, that uh, would be the equivalent uh, of Amber with a missing child. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So. Everybody knows what that is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when you have any confusion about concussion, Rowan. Okay, I know the name Rowan. Google Rowan's Law, Rowan. Uh, and then you've got a home base with a toolkit, uh, an intense toolkit of, of where you can go to to, uh, to seek help and information. It's all there for you. Um, I feel like a lot of what you're saying here today is we've definitely come a long way and we've still got a long ways to go in terms of concussion awareness. But I, I am curious. I mean, the conversation today in 2019 is so different than when you played. And I wondered if in, you know, as it pertains to concussion treatment and even going back to um, your entry into the league where, you know, you were maligned for this guy who was trying to force his way into, you know, whatever team he wanted to play for. And at that time, all the conversation was, you know, what's Eric Lindros trying to do? And now that's another conversation that's changed. We kind of live in what you might call the age of player empowerment where people are like, no, these guys should have a hand in their future and you should have that kind of agency over your own life. And I was kind of thinking today, I wonder if Lindros feels a little validated the way things have sort of <laughs> bent toward like, you yeah. know, both in terms of, hey, once upon a time, this, yeah. you know, this guy was sitting out because he was concerned about his health and he was trying to, you know, going back further to the draft, like you were just kind of trying to set what you thought was the best path in your own life. Yeah, I didn't want to play for a particular owner and uh yeah i mean i don't need to speak to that any further i think you can figure that out for yourself but uh no uh listen it's not about vindication or anything like that because I mean, certainly i'd like to have, have avoided it all um but uh um i do feel good about helping this out because i believe in it i believe in what the efforts that we've put together in the in the three and four hours uh, four years of work that we've been on this um that we have something, not just a, not just a flash in the pan, but something solid. We have a real foundation that we can we can build from. Um, is it is it perfect? We don't we don't know. Uh, hopefully, we have more information, like we spoke of on the research side, that we can we can continue to to uh, inform others, inform people, inform parents, inform kids, uh, and then anything else in the you know there's, there can be tweaks left and right in terms of. Uh, administrative and, and other other thing we, we we need to learn as, it, as we're going through it but we're open, like let's do it let's keep going the the meat and potatoes of this is fantastic it's fantastic so now i read i think this story is from 2016 that you still play every week on thursdays is that still just trying to fit in the jeans <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> um just just doing that uh, like, do you do you have like this? Have you refound joy in playing the game I, that maybe you didn't ha have as a pro? All the time? I always loved the game. Yeah, always loved the game. I didn't. I hated the politics and some of the business and some of the. There's some nastiness. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a blood sport, isn't it? Uh, listen, there's nastiness on the ice and there's nastiness off the ice. Yeah, oh, yeah. A lot of it, and I truly enjoyed playing the game. I love practice. I think hockey is the best game in the world. Mm -hmm. What I didn't love was was the rest. Was the rest. Yeah. What's what's the pace like at this? Oh, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he goes. Oh, I still see him. Um, uh, <laughs> we've got a couple of younger guys that, yeah. that can really go. Uh, I can still skate. Uh, uh there, there's a bunch there, we just have we go out and we have a good time we do a couple drills warm up you know guys touch the puck uh there's a, quite a few of us that, that used to play and uh you know no refs we avoid each other mm -hmm. it's just pass the puck and score and we've got <laughs> two good really good goalies that we go up against and 
And uh, each week, it's primarily just, you know, pick, yeah, rather have a dark jersey or a white jersey. And <laughs> you just kind of, we'll figure out the teams as we get out there. <laughs> that's really how it goes. And the banter and all the, the fun parts oh, yeah. of it, right? That's, that's, that's all part of it. That's yeah. all part of it. <laughs> you know, some guys head off to, to get a bite to eat after. And, and friendships have flourished from it, too, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, I, hockey's the best. It you, is. You know, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So just moving off hockey before sure. we wrap up here, you've got three young kids. I do. We're two pretty new dads. My oh, yeah? my daughter's yeah. getting close to one year. Yeah, your eyes are his, looking all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing okay. His, yeah. his six months, six so months. I'm oh, still yeah, yeah, a little. <laughs> so I guess the question here is, what what kind of advice could you give new dads as to what's coming next here? Okay, listen. <laughs> okay, first of all, I got to say when you get the crib. I'm going to go start with the crib. I know we're talking about concussion, but I, gotta <laughs> I made this mistake as a new dad. Do not build the crib in the hallway that the crib is intended. Uh, then uh, the hallway of, uh, of just outside the room. That Get the in the room. Intended. They don't fit through the door. Ah. Okay. So the lighting may be better in the hallway. <laughs> But you're just going to get better at putting that crib yeah, together. Yeah, that's right. You have to take it all apart. <laughs> uh, no, in terms of in terms of having new dads and 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 uh, you know whether they play sport or not, uh, I think all sports are great. I mean, obviously, hockey is 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 my favorite. But whatever whatever kids want to do, there's so many options out there. And, but playing sport is is beautiful and and it's healthy and it's it's fun and you make great friends. Uh, friendships and memories and and I mean you joke constantly like you, you see somebody you haven't seen in 20 years but you shared a moment with them when you're in junior mm-hmm. like you're you're laughing I mean it's you, everyone remembers right so sports is fantastic we just want people we want people to play sports and to not allow concussion to have the power to deter them not to we want to be prepared for it if uh, and when it, mm-hmm. it it does occur, but it it doesn't occur all that often. The preventative measures that we're we're taking place uh, uh, in each sport are, are kicking in. The respect levels there, the communications, the communications there. So, I think uh, you know your kids will be in better shape than my kids, and 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 maybe your second and third kids will be sure. in better shape than than your first. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the trend that we always want to kind of have. We don't want to have any dips in this, but. It's taken us a long time to get to where we are, and let's mm-hmm. hopefully let's pick it up our pace and, yeah. and, and and really start to trend at a at a at a, at a real incline. Um, two quick hockey ones to get you out here. One just popped in my mind, but I, you know, I was talking earlier about whether you felt validated how things have gone. I, I'm curious too. In the past couple of years, you know, uh, there's been uh, a couple things. Obviously, getting into the Hall of Fame and also, you know, kind of having the Philly people put their arms back around you uh, and being there. What does it mean to you to kind of, I don't even want to say repair that relationship, but like, it sure seemed like it was a nice moment where on both sides. I got a phone call from Paul Holmgren in the summer of 2012 to come back to that outdoor game in 2012. And that was fun. Yeah. It was great. Um, A great welcoming, you know. Uh, It was fantastic. You know, it was like uh, things hadn't, hadn't changed at all. And I think uh, people, aren't, people aren't stupid. They know what goes on, right? They can, they can, read, uh, they can read between the lines on, on a few things. So it felt good, and the hall was, was obviously amazing. You just feel thankful, yeah. you know? Uh, coming back uh, to Philly, your friends that you had there, I mean, you, kinda, you grew up there, right? I was there from mm-hmm. 19 to 20... Eight, mm-hmm. I made a lot of good friends. Actually, I got one friend coming up tomorrow, Jack uh, Jack Huff. Mm. Uh, he was uh, I'm, <laughs> he was working in the hospital when I had the, my lung collapse. Oh, wow. oh, yeah, my lung collapse in uh, in in Nashville, and and they cleared up most of it. I was in the hospital for two and a half weeks in Nashville, and then I was taken back to Philly, and back in the hospital in in, in Philly for uh, about a week, ten days, and, and I met Jack in, in at Penn under larry kaiser so we've been buddies ever since so you meet on the athletic side and you meet in the sure yeah um all right we'll get you out of here on a goofy one and this all is right, one of those like ones where i'm like yeah, i'm, I, I'm the like computers out now this, he's, he's well i did i didn't need the computer for this <laughs> what do we got i was like he's either been asked this like three times a year for his whole career or maybe i'm the first who knows you but might. i don't if for people who don't remember 
your trade to from Quebec to Philly was just a monumental thing. Especially like I was a young fan at the time. Yeah. Such a huge package going back the other way. We all know Peter Forsberg yeah. was one of the five players going back. How many of the other guys who you were traded for, who went from Philly to Quebec on that day, Did I play for? can can you name? I played with Psydog in okay. New York. Okay. Uh, Ron Hextall came back. Yep. Uh, so we got Forsberg, we got Hextall. There's three other guys. Chris Simon. Chris Simon, yes, yeah, that's right, was part of the draft picks. Um, that's right. Because Sittler was Ryan. Uh, there was something about. Yeah, there was. They didn't. They rejected Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> um, they took Psydog, which was horrible. Uh, uh, there's a there's a gr- there's a gritty two way center in there who had long long hair for a Mike long time. Yeah, Mike Ricci. H, Peter Pete. Yep. Yeah. The other two are tough. They're defensemen. So if, one was started with an H. Yep. Kerry Huffman. Huffman. That's it. Last one was an offensive defenseman, a French guy, Steve Duchesne. Oh, okay. So we got. Forsberg, Duchesne, Huffman, Mike Ricci, and then, as you said, Ron Hexel, and then a couple picks that involved Chris Simon yeah. uh, and Jocelyn Tebow. So yeah. it was a it was a, a big package, yeah. and I uh, I just remember it's become a fun bit of trivia. Like, you know, how many people can you name from this huge deal? And I was like, well, why don't we ask the man himself? How many people yeah. can he name from way back when? Yeah, so a long time ago. A long time ago. Um, Eric, thanks a ton. You're obviously doing very important work. Uh, with this concussion awareness, so thanks for for dropping by. Anything else you want to add about I'm what you're up part to? of the team? I really am. I'm just part of the team. We've got a great team. Uh, the advisory board has been fantastic, uh, and and our our government has has really stepped up and and put. Uh, I mean, it was on on air. Our marketing, uh, the campaign started uh, its videos on air last last night during the Raptors game, and to to pull something like that off shows that we're we're committed. Mm-hmm. It's committed. It's. Uh, like I said, it's not a flash in the pan. We're, it's the real deal. All right, Rory, that was a real treat having Mr. Lindros stop by. And let's get this straight again here for the record, just in case there was any confusion out there. Uh, number one, again, I, I just can't overstate how big of a deal Eric Lindros was as a prospect yep. at that time to someone who, like, you know, I was 10, 11, 12 years old when we first started learning about this guy who was literally billed as Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky in the same package, like an unstoppable physical force with all the talent in the world. And now, you know, what I always think of with Lindros is the fact that he was drafted, of course, in 91 by the Nordiques. That summer, before he plays an NHL game, he plays in the Canada Cup with Wayne Gretzky, with the best Canadian Mm -hmm. players in the world he's 18 years old um and he was you know demolishing players left and right and he was just became a a guy that like myth was just springing out around him because of his size uh because it was obviously still pre-internet and you just kind of heard word of mouth of this guy who was playing for the oshawa generals and couldn't be stopped and yeah, that trade. I mean, of course, as everyone knows, you know, we had to get an arbitrator in. Was he traded to the Rangers? Was he traded to Philadelphia? Yeah. <laughs> Peter Forsberg, Steve Duchesne, Kerry Huffman, Mike Ricci, Ron Hextall, Philly's first choice in 1993, and Philly's first choice in 1994. And that pick ended up getting moved around a bit. But um, yeah, he's clearly very passionate about what he's doing now and is very personally invested in it. Yeah, and, and you know, for... for- Hockey fans that were maybe a little younger than us that came later, I don't think maybe don't realize like how devastating of a hockey player he was at his best at before the, the concussion started yeah. to hit mid nineties. Mid nineties, MVP I mean, of the short uh, strike shortened season or sorry lockout shortened season yeah, ninety five. Got that's his really the, to yeah, the cup final. That's right. Um, you know, won a heart trophy in there too. It's it's really a shame. Like I, I I wonder what would his career have looked like if he was fully healthy through the whole thing. You know, he would have he would have been going into the probably probably the the post lockout era there, the oh oh five, oh six, and then there's that surge of offense. He's he, it's not that he was slow and wouldn't have been able to keep up. Yeah. He would have just, I think, taken off even more. He would have been in his thirties at that point. But I, I mean he would have been I, I always think, you know, you talk about if you put uh, LeBron James on skates, trained him like a freak athlete that is 
dominates the sport that he plays, is the best player in the sport that he plays. What if he grew up learning how to skate and could play hockey? Lindros isn't quite that big. I think I think LeBron is 6'8", 250. Lindros was listed at 6'4", 230. So he's not there, but he's close, right? Yeah. So that, that's the uh, we, closest We can comparable. confirm as two guys who uh, were just in the same studio <laughs> with him. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's big. And so that's the closest thing. He was a freak athlete. He dominated his sport. He was just massive size. He could do everything. Yeah. And 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 so if you're, if you're thinking, what would LeBron look like as an NHL player, think of Eric Lindros. That's the closest comparable you can get to that. And he is doing really great work. I mean, it is amazing um the the leaps hockey has has taken to get to where it is now i mean can you can you think back to probably before that lockout and some of the rules we have in the nhl now or how hitting has kind of evaporated from from minor hockey and i, I was telling him there but that i used to be a, a a referee and you see some really freaky stuff or some really bad hits and and as a player i remember one of my teammates specifically getting hammered from behind you know he was probably a foot from the boards and his head hit the boards and he had to go to the hospital I remember going to the hospital and seeing him after and that was the last game of hockey that kid ever played I think it was his second concussion at least at that point and it's just like why why is this why is this being protected why at the time why why are we not doing more sure. to to fix this and I remember as a referee like those house like I, I wasn't even di- a or double A. Like I was, I come from a small center. I think we were C or double D at one point even. And you're talking house league players. Like why can this kid who's gone through his growth spurt throw all of his energy at this little kid who hasn't yet? And and that's just the way the game is. And so it is amazing how much the game has changed, how much the conversation has evolved around concussions. Everybody should understand um, what they are, how to treat them, what rules we need to put in place to kind of curb this. And I was really impressed too and a little inspired by Eric saying there like he wouldn't keep his kids out of hockey. Yeah. Right? Like it, it's, it's called the, great the greatest sport. game. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just you got to, you, you just, the important thing is that everybody needs to educate themselves on on concussions and, and, you know, everything about them, how you get them, how you treat them and everything like that so that you're prepared for if it does happen. And if you want to do just that, that website again that Eric was talking about, Ontario.ca forward slash concussions. All right, we're going to take a short break, come back, wrap things up on Tape to Tape. Tired of subscribing to multiple streaming services to get your sports fix? Introducing Sportsnet Now. Live stream the NHL, NBA, MLB, IndyCar, and much more all in one subscription. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, and Chromecast. Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. New package options available beginning at $19.99 a month. Visit snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. All right, here we go, Rory. NHL Awards next Wednesday. NHL Draft next Friday and Saturday. Free agency after that. A buyout period preceding that. Is there one player, is there one team, one subplot you are keeping a very very close eye on more than anything else oh there, there's so many of them out there right i mean the, the san jose sharks seem to have a lot of balls in the air right now joe pavelski's not signed eric carlson's not signed joe thornton will be back if he wants to i think but is is he going to be back and then they still have to do something with their goalies, right? Um, so they're, they're a team that I'm watching because if they lose all those UFAs, then, I mean, Joe Pavelski becomes a UFA it's crazy. to anybody. That, yeah. that, that was something I didn't think of. And then, like, Eric Carlson could go anywhere. There was that report that Ottawa Montreal maybe be in it. Tampa Bay still is interested in him. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of intrigue around him because he's still one of the better defensemen in, in the world, but he's got the injury issues. You know, what's that contract going to be like? Where is he going to go? But I, I got to say, like, my, my favorite event on the entire calendar is the NHL draft. So I'm really looking forward to that, not only because, you know, you see 
you kind of see that family element again in the first round, especially when players get it's the picked. first the culmination of the dream, right? Exactly. Yeah, and and you you hug your family, you go up and meet Gary Bettman and everything like that. Um, but after the first two picks, like there's a lot of it's wide open. Yeah, anything could happen. Is out. And it's Turcott, a good draft. It's a good draft. Good draft. Deep and good. Yeah, and then not only the the player selection part of it, but the trade possibilities yeah. that are going to be there. Is somebody going to move down? Are we going to see, I think it was Saturday last year, Carolina and Calgary came together with that huge blockbuster. There's no shortage of rumors out there. Teams that need to be active to try and do something, whether you're going up or going down, whatever. More so than any non-expansion year. I mean, Vegas yep. was crazy because that was the big you know, wrinkle um, that this team was coming in. People had to move players around. But this year, more than any I can remember, just seems like there's a sense that there could be some seismic shifts out there. Yeah, a lot of lot of possibilities out there. And then you got the the potential for maybe this is the summer we get an offer sheet sure. once July one hits. Um so that that RFA market is gonna be very interesting. I, I'm really curious to see which one of the big guys signs first, because that kind of sets the tone for the rest of them. Uh the more I thought about it, the more I settled on the New York Rangers and like are the old Rangers yes, gonna be back? One. We talked about whether, you know, who who makes sense for Eric Carlson? Like who, what team is in a situation where you're like, you know what? It's a slight roll, not a slight. It's a, it's a serious roll of the dice just because of his injury history and age, but we want to make it. And there's, it just feels like there's a world where they draft Kako and sign Carlson and Panarin are like, we're back, baby. Yep. We're back. And I think that'd be super fun. Yeah. Their contract situation is really, really wide open. They only have two guys signed beyond the next two years. You still got Henrik Lundqvist, so you think you yeah. want to move. They made five first-round picks in the last two years. They've got two more this year. If and Dallas re-signs Matt Zuccarello, they got two more next year because that conditional becomes a first-rounder in 2020. They could be a potential team that signs sure. an offer sheet. Everything Absolutely. could be on the table for the Rangers. Oh, man, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Make sure you check back next week. We're doing a huge draft preview with the only person you can do that with, Sam Cosentino. He'll come in and break down uh, the first round, provide some uh, insight into who could be a steal in the later first round and throughout the rest of the draft. So make sure you check that out midweek next week. Sammy will be breaking it down. If you want to follow Rory on Twitter, you can find him at Rory Boylan, myself at Dixon on sports. Check out all the awesome content on sportsnet.ca as we move through this hairy part of the calendar. Check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on tape to tape. Uh, that's Springfield, Stephen. Uh, yeah, right.